What's up, dirtbags? Welcome to episode 234 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. Scott Sturman and Matt Deitch. What's up? The old 234. 234. Yep. Right I didn't even notice that until you, you until you mentioned it. Yeah, I was going to break out to some freestyle one, rap. One, two, but three, four. Get, get your, your woman on the floor. Gonna, gonna get up, to get, get down. down. Little Coolio starting <laughs> us off. That's oh, a I, very I, underrated song. No. Coolio song. I listen to is. Fantastic Voyage probably oh, once yeah. a day. <laughs> That's my jam right there. <laughs> Good tune. That is way my jam. That's so. right. Oh, man. Uh, we we kind of had some cooler weather. Now we're going to get a little bit of warmer weather again. Uh, Just when you get the flannel out, then it's time to get the tang towels yep. back out. Yep, that's Iowa, I guess. Yeah, so To that part of the year. Yep. So uh, episode 234 is brought to you by our good buddies over at Dakota Angler in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, everything you need for, for bait, for tackle. Uh, you need new rods, new reels, uh, apparel. Everything you need right there, uh, big store selection, but a mom and pops, uh, a true mom and pops bait shop. Uh, stop in there up on the north side of Sioux Falls uh, for everything you need uh, when it comes to fishing. But if you can't swing in there, go to www.dakotaangler.com and use code DIRTBAG at checkout. Your wallet and your wife will be happy that you did. Dang right. Yep. Uh, right no, now, and also, you know, stop in there and take advantage of the deals, like you were saying, and uh, talk to their knowledgeable staff and you know the guys up there. They'll get you. Ah, you're get using knowledgeable a little loosely there. Just give them some credit. Okay. Okay. Game recognized game. Isn't that how they say <laughs> yeah, it? Something like that. <laughs> yep. Uh, right now, uh, two dollars off jigging shadow wraps. Uh, all clam ice fishing hubs are on sale, and that means three hundred dollars off a Jason Mitchell hub. Uh, crazy good deals right there. And, uh, obviously other good deals, uh, constantly going on. Um, and it's the home of the ice Institute. It is. And it's, it's coming up. It's, uh, it's getting here faster than we said it a while ago. It's going to be here before you know it. And guess what? It's yep. down to the nitty gritty. Yep. Uh, I mean, we're only talking a month and a half now and, uh, um, without kind of realizing it, I, I let this, uh, sneak up on us. And uh, we got to start talking, you know, obviously uh, we, we've mentioned that we're going to have a booth there similar to what we did last year, but uh, here in the next day or two, I got to put out an ad uh, to yeah. have that rod contest Custom again. Rod contest, yeah. Yep. Uh, last year, I, I feel like that was a, a, an awesome success. Uh, we donated uh, all those rods off to uh, Craig EXL out in Rapid City, and uh, he used them throughout... Uh, Throughout Hooked on Hard Water, and I think uh, even for um, uh, South Dakota Youth Hunting Adventures, uh, uh, through that, uh, um, just benefiting the youth of, of Rapid City, and uh, uh, I guess I figure that is the exact same thing that we will do with the rods again this year. So uh, yeah, the, by the end of this week, uh, I'll have another ad out there um, to talk a little bit about that. And hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully we can get uh, a good amount of rods in again. Uh, I had a lot of fun last year with that, and uh, I think we'll probably get a little Freedom Brew in the booth again. Uh, that that uh, seemed to go over pretty well last year. Anytime Gens is uh, sitting with a bar stool right outside of your booth. Uh, Just enjoying some coffee. I mean, you can't go yeah, wrong there. Yeah, that was pretty badass. Yeah, it was. Yep. Great show. So definitely... Uh, Put it down on your calendars. Mark it there. Already, you know, save that date. Put it in your phone, whatever. Those three days, come out there and check it out. Yep. What is that? November 12th, 9th? 13th and 14th? Is that what 12th, we said 13th last time? and 14th. Uh, 
I believe so. I think every week we kind of guesstimate around that area, and I'm pretty sure... 10, 11, 12. 10, 11, 12. 10, 11, 12. November 10, 11, and 12 over at the Sioux Falls uh, Arena and Convention Center. Uh, you'll be happy that you did it. you dang right you will be. Um, also, I know we've talked about it, and we've gotten a lot of great feedback out. Uh, I, we're thinking probably the Saturday night after the Ice Institute, uh, having a get-together uh, somewhere... Um, some sort of a restaurant get together bs have some beers for those of you that drink beers and uh, maybe some wings maybe some pizza talk smart uh, whatever but uh, uh, we don't know for sure where that'll be but some sort of a meetup uh, we're we're thinking saturday night uh, as that gets closer we'll have a spot and a time uh, officially nailed down but all are welcome and uh, i think it'd be a lot of fun to to have that It'll be a lot of fun. You, know, yep. you just to sit around, and it's always a good time to BS with each other. You bet. You bet. So uh, um, with that, uh, yeah, I don't know. That uh, doesn't seem like there's been a whole lot of news across the fishing industry. Um, I, I'll, I'll come out and say, you know, Max Wilson, uh, you know, last week we kind of dipped in on that Max Wilson deal. It was pretty fresh last week. Um you know, it sounds like maybe a party fishing deal with, with being in Canada, a live bait deal with Canada. Um, I don't even remember what else uh, people were kind of talking about. Uh, Max did issue a statement, um, you know, kind of telling his side of the story. I, you know, it, it's, it's obviously pretty tough to tell, nor is it really our business to figure out uh, who's right and wrong. I do feel you know, in my heart, I don't think Max purposely went into this doing it, you know, on a cheating deal. Uh, maybe it was his job to know the, the laws a little bit better than, than what he did, you know, fine, fair, whatever. And I think even Max would, would go ahead and say, you know, maybe he, maybe he should have, but, uh, just, you know, with, with cameras and everything, I don't know that you're, you know, I mean, they're, they're filming a show out there, you know, with, uh, with tour level gold, gold. uh, NWT, you know, there's, there's camera boats that come around. Uh, I just don't feel like this is something that you would have purposely gone into it. Um, you know, for say breaking the rules, if you knew what the rule going into it, like, so planning on doing it. Yep. And, and, uh, you know, I'm sure that there's people that are going to listen to that and they're, currently screaming at their headphones or screaming at their speakers you know that that's bs it might be it might be but it's not my job to figure it out um you know the the nwt um i i don't know i i don't think that they probably handled it very well i'm not really sure you know it's easy to sit out here on the sidelines and say man this is what they should have done without ever talking with any of the anglers involved, without, you know, truly knowing all the rules, uh, you know, without knowing results of polygraph tests and everything else, um, you know, it's uh, it's easy to sharpshoot it from the outside, but uh, I don't know. They did a really piss-poor job of leaving it very open-ended and very vague where people could take it and run with it however they wanted. Exactly. you know how that goes on online, you know, pretty soon everybody else is the experts and they're throwing different things out there. And then this person is like, well, did you hear this? And did you hear that? 
actually Max was very transparent about what happened way more than what the NWT really was. Yeah, so, I would I say mean, so. I mean, the NWT never actually came out and said what the what, was, what the potential infractions were where, where Max actually did. But, uh, you know, one of our buddies, uh, you know, in a group text with all of us, came out and said, you know, people have been DQ'd from tournaments for showing up late to the rules meeting the night before. Right. And, you know, here here we have something that was actually an on-the-water incident and, and, you know, just assessed a fine. I, I don't know. You know, I mean, you, you got to be you, – you got to have black and white rules and you got to be – you know, you got to nip things in the butt and it's got to be fair. You know, what what's fair for Scott Sturman is fair for Matt Deitch, is fair for Max Wilson, is fair for Dwayne Jelm. And, you know, it's got to be uniform all the way across. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Like I said, I we don't know truly what all happened there. But, uh, um, you know, I think if the NWT would have came out in their first statement and said, hey, these are, you know, this is what's going on. This is why, you know, or this is how Max broke the rules. This is what we did because of it. I think that it probably would have been a whole lot better for all involved um, instead of just, writing some vague two paragraph right. bullshit where you never really you you, you, you didn't you didn't you, say anything you, just said you that danced around the was, issue you know was you know in violation of rules and you know was docked whatever and that was it yeah it's just like well what was he like yep. yeah like i said they did a really piss poor job of yep. really conveying what, what what really happened yep and uh like like we said uh um, not our job. I, I think, I don't think Max did it on purpose. Um, Max was an absolute great guy for us to interview, you know, talking to him beforehand, talking to him afterwards. He was, he was really good. Um, I, I hope it wasn't on purpose anyways, but yeah, not our job to figure it out, but whatever the case, uh, from one captain to the next, uh, we've got Donnie Obert on the show tonight. Uh, Donnie is up in Northern Minnesota. I'm not even a hundred percent sure where exactly he's at, but, uh, uh, when Donnie posts pictures on Facebook, it, it just, it just screams North Minnesota. It does. I mean, I mean, it says Northwoods all over it. I mean, I feel like he's got a lynx in the boat with him at all times. Yep. And, and he I probably mean, has a pet one like that. He sits yeah, at yeah, home he at does. night in front of a fireplace overlooking, lake and stuff and just sits <laughs> yeah. there and just kind of pets it it just kind of purrs along with him and yep. he's like we need some supper sends it out there and it comes back with a couple grouse or something yep. like that and throws them minnesota. right on the spigot minnesota right on the rotisserie above the open flame <laughs> that's right Probably, right. He probably runs with a wolf pack, too, up there. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, uh, he think, goes out there. I think he does. He's got his own howling rock. Yeah. Every night he goes out nah, there. Nah, he's a lone, wolf. Uh, that's a lone wolf. A lone wolf. No, but, uh, uh, yeah, if you if you don't follow Donnie, uh, get on Facebook and, and uh, go and follow him. Because, like I said, uh, the pictures are, are incredible. Big fish all the time. Uh, just 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 pictures that scream Minnesota and and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's entertaining to follow him. Uh, he's an entertaining guy, and you guys are soon gonna figure that out. So let's uh, let's hop on the phone with Donnie. Hey, Donnie, how are you doing? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Not a whole lot. Just living the dream down here in <laughs> Iowa. Is it getting pretty cold? Oh, co- oh man, <laughs> <laughs> is it getting pretty cold up there at night? Uh, yeah, we're getting into some 30s for the overnight Ooh, lows. Yeah. All right, all right. It's supposed to be 86 here tomorrow. <laughs> That sounds terrible. <laughs> Down here in the banana belt. <laughs> That's right. Yep. 
So, Donnie, uh, we always like to get the show started uh, with a couple non-fishing uh, related questions. So, uh, I want to know, my, my neighbor Jeremy Kay, uh, he asked me to, uh, to ask this. If, you, if, if somebody was going to play you in a movie, who would that actor be? Let me Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler, all right. Gerard, I don't know Gerard Butler. You don't know Gerard Butler? No. Oh, Scott. How about? Uh, can I change my answer? I've given it. I've given it a fuzz more thought. All right. Yep. Go right ahead. Dirk Diggler. <laughs> I don't know that one neither. I God, this is not... Dirk Diggler. That be that's that's Donnie Wahlberg. I don't even know who Donnie Wahlberg is. You don't know Boogie Nights? No. The movie Boogie Nights. No, Dirk I know Diggler. Donnie Obert. Hey, Dirk, Dirk Diggler with the like foot long, <laughs> no <Nope>, dong. <laughs> it's strange that one of you remembered that. I don't know. I must not be watching the movies Matt does or something. Clearly, Burt Reynolds is in that movie, <laughs> man. No clue. Come on. No clue. No I'm gonna make you watch Boogie Nights now. Not a chance. Don't watch it with the kids though. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> All right, what do you got, Matt? I guess mine would be uh, if you could choose any superpower, what would it be? Clearly walking on water. Walking on water. Not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. Would you have to still wear your life vest or have like <laughs> one for yourself? Like if the game one that, stops you? That would depend on local regulations. <laughs> <laughs> Got to follow those local regulations. That's so, right. <laughs> so, so Donnie, your last name is Obert, correct? That is correct. Obert, yep. Oh. yep. How, how often do you hear Obert? You know, if I was French, I'd say, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you're pretty close to Canada up there. Uh, you know, the fr the French uh, kind of gets a little bit closer up that direction. That That is true. We're close enough for most of the local restaurants serve poutine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Scott, do you know what poutine is? No. You don't not even know what poutine is? Oh, my gosh, Scott. I feel bad. I I'm, We're not getting this episode started very good. I don't know well, nothing. Scott, it's, it's, it's cool that you're recording this in the basement, but once in a while, you should leave. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> I, i'm thinking about it tomorrow tomorrow maybe headed north yeah get you some poutine while you're watching boogie that's nights right. on the way up that's right that sounds like a pretty good day actually. yeah not it too bad does. maybe go fishing with donnie obert at the end of the day so <laughs> uh all right donnie uh where, where is it that you're from uh, live, live and guide full time on Rainy Lake. It's, uh, it's where Minnesota touches Ontario. Okay. All right. So Rainy Lake is a border water, um, a couple hundred thousand acres, about 70% in Ontario, 30% within the United States. Okay. So is that like straight north of Duluth or are you a little bit east or a little bit west of that? Uh, northwest of Duluth, three hours. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So. Wow, you can you can you can see the maple leaf flags across the way. <laughs> oh yeah, so so I live on the lake, and I can see off my dock. I can see Canada. Okay, we're, okay. As, we're as close as you can get. Yeah, just up there riding moose and petting Got, bears. Got to be smoky up that yeah, direction. Drinking, ma drink, drinking maple syrup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. That and Labatt Blue. So that's right. So uh, up there, you you lived there all your life, or is it some place you moved a little bit later in life? No, no, I'm originally from a little farm town about an hour north of Minneapolis, St. Paul, by the name of Mora. Oh. Uh, I was was raised there, grew up fishing Malax with my dad quite a bit. Uh, then I joined the Air Force. was was 
other places, some undesirable places for for um, almost six years. Okay. Um, and then and then I built skyscrapers for twenty years. Really? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. I did uh, industrial, commercial, um, concrete. Uh, I got out of the service and and uh, I started shoveling concrete until I figured out something better to do with my life. And unfortunately, I'm a slow learner. It took me, <laughs> took me over twenty years. <laughs> No, you didn't want to rush into anything. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Yeah, don't jump to any conclusion. <laughs> so, so when yeah, you're when you were building skyscrapers, you'd just fish on the weekends, or was that just part of your life where fishing uh, wasn't a big part of your life? Yeah, no, I went. Uh, I went quite a few years where where um, I focused pretty heavy on on bow hunting on my very rare day off. I worked uh, six to seven days a week um, year round. Oh wow. So, yeah, I I, uh, I averaged like 110 or 112 hours a week for almost the entire 20 years. So um, fishing really hit the back burner. I, you know, I had a, I had my kids and and uh, raised our family. And um, uh, a little bit later, I suppose about uh, 37, 38, I really got into musky fishing. Um, and that that you know, if any of you guys have ever dove into that pool it, it is all consuming it yeah. is um, that is for sure and and um you know i kind of just hit a crossroads at at about 42 years old i i had about maxed out my union pension so keeping doing that didn't make a lot of sense i had uh, our kids were you know one was done with college one was almost done with college so we were empty nesters and and uh you know the opportunity to start guiding just it just kind of happened, you know, it just, I was, uh, I was coming up to, to Rainy Lake here. We had spent some time in Voyagers National Park, my wife and I camping and fishing and loved the area. And, and uh, I was, I had just finished building a, actually the water treatment plant in Ames, Iowa. Okay. Uh, I was there, was there almost three years. And um, I heard a, uh, saw an ad on Facebook, a guide service up here was looking to hire another full-time guide. I just thought, you know, I, I think I've shoveled enough concrete for one <laughs> lifetime. I'm going to do something else. Yep. And uh, and that was it. I, I got a hold of the fella, and we, we chatted a little bit, and I ended up uh, working for him for five years. Nice. Now, now I do want to hear more about, obviously, getting into the guiding, but I just got to ask you a couple skyscraper questions. Yep. Um, sure. uh, just because just I don't know that I've ever spoke with anyone that builds skyscrapers, and I might not again, so I got to take uh, take right. this chance. Uh, so, so were you traveling all over the United States, or were you just like Minneapolis, or or what? What was the wh- most most of what I did was in Minneapolis. Okay, um, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Twin Cities, um, general area, a little bit on the East Coast, a little bit in Chicago. Uh, I built a. Um, <laughs> one of the world's largest corn seed plants in um, Grand Island, Nebraska, which is neither Grand nor an island. Uh, <laughs> Nothing in Nebraska <laughs> is Grand, believe us. <laughs> we know. Ever talks you into going there. Uh, and then I did uh, that that uh, Ames um, water treatment plant. So uh, it was mostly local, but the, probably the last five or six years of my career I spent on the road. How how high? What's the tallest building you ever built? Sixty six. Sixty six stories. 
Yep. Oh, that's wow. 67 too many. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It gets a little squirrely after about 12. Yeah, you'll have that on those bigger jobs. <laughs> so, so yeah, obviously, yes. obviously that's why your superpower choice wasn't strength, because you already have that from slinging concrete 120 <laughs> hours a week. Oh, I tell you what. Uh, you don't want to mess with concrete, guys. Oh, <laughs> we, we know that. Who you do? Yeah, look at look at any any dude that's working concrete long enough. You look at his forearms. You know you yep. Can't, yep. you can't fake that forearm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. So any any wild stories from building skyscrapers? I mean, I I've, I don't want to hear anything about bad accidents or anything crazy like that. But I mean, you ever accidentally like drop your lunch pail from forty two stories up or anything wild? Oh yeah, stuff gets dropped all the time. I mean, we you yell four or time. what? <laughs> four? <laughs> you yell? You no, actually, actually, you know what? You don't yell anything because everyone's wearing hard hats. So don't look up on the top of the head. Yep. You're probably okay. If you yell, people look up, and then it hits them in the face. <laughs> so better to hit them in the hard hat. <laughs> Fair enough. I can't <laughs> argue with that. Can't argue with that. So, so what year was it that you finally got up there uh, to to the rainy and started guiding? Um, let's see. This is the end of my sixth year of full time guiding, so it must have been spring of 18 yeah spring of 18 okay and never looked back knew knew right away that this was uh this was the right decision so i i for my entire life have all kind of person that's how i'm wired so i don't i don't really do anything half-assed if i'm if i'm in i'm all in i'm i'm the guy that says I'm selling the house. I'm <laughs> buying a lake house up there, and uh, what I do is I corner myself so that it has to work. Right. Yep. You know, I don't. I've seen actually in the six years I've been here, I've seen a dozen guys dabble. You know, yeah. stick one toe in the water. Well, it's just not going to work. Well, do, you didn't give actually give it any effort. Yep. You know, I'm all in. I'm I'm cannonball run, sell the house, <laughs> bought a house on the lake, and I said I'm either going to make it or go bankrupt. Yeah. You know, I I put myself in a corner where I have to. You know, there's no option. You you're gonna you have to make it work. You have to figure out what it's going to take to make it work, and then apply that. Now, now the the people that you're taking out, I mean, is that majority tourists, or I mean, do you get a lot of local people? I I, I don't. You know, I, I guess, you know, you hear of people going to Duluth, you hear of, you know, some resorts on Lake of the Woods, but, uh, uh, you know, where, where you're at there, who, who are you getting? It is, it is, it, it starts out as tourists. It starts out when, when you first start guiding, um, you're, you, you are an accessory to the vacation, if that makes sense. Like, yep. like, um. You know, people came here, oh, geez, we should hire a guide while we're here, type idea. Now, as you get better at at the, at the guiding, as you get better at fishing, as you get better at, at marketing and managing your business, um, the, now it sets up a little different where people are coming here to fish with me. Yep. And, and I don't know if I'm saying that so that it makes sense. It's not... If me guiding someone is no longer the afterthought, right? Um, 
or, or, you know, Bob and Dave and Tom came up here, been up here, you know, five days and haven't caught a fish. Well, geez, we should hire a guide. At this point right now, as we're, as we're speaking, um, 2024 is is completely booked. I might have holy moly five days in September. That's it. I'm booked. So so now it's a little different. Now I've got you know I'm I'm almost 100 percent return customers. It's so now it's it's not so much it's not so much the area that draws in the tourist as much as the guide that draws in the tourist. Right. right. You're guiding people that went up for a vacation mm-hmm. four years ago and have come up every single every single uh september since because god dang it they had so much fun the first time right right and and not even that i mean there's i have a lot of guys that fish with me 10 15 20 days a year oh so a lot of like in the season repeat guys coming up there and, yeah well yeah, yeah they want to they want to come up and fish the rainy river in the spring and then geez you know we got to get a couple sturgeon oh yeah in and and, you know, God dang that, you know, that early shallow walleye bite is, oh, geez, you know what, you're out on the reefs, we got to get some, you know, some glide bait fish, and then and they want to, geez, you're finding them big crappies in the fall, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy that, that, you know, that's kind of one of my secrets to rebooking, is no matter what we're fishing for, I'm going to talk about another species, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and really just plant that seed. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of times the, the customer will go home and, and, you know, they're sitting there thinking and looking at my Facebook posts. Ah, oh, God dang it, that dude is on big slabs, you know. And, yep. and uh, before you know it, phone rings. Ah, oh, I got to get up there. And, and so as the years go by, you know, you're able to you're able to kind of whittle down to the people you, you want to fish with. And, and, you know, when you first start guiding, you get you get some trips that are just, you know, you look back now and you just kind of shake your head and go, holy moly, I'm glad I made it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> because now you, you can, on the initial phone call, you know, like, okay, this person's nuts. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, seven people and a shore lunch and two dogs. And, you know, you're like, you got, I got buddies I can recommend for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let me get you in touch with another guide <laughs> yeah. friend of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Oh man, we need to start, Scott. You and I need to start like calling guides and be asking, like, how much is it for us to bring our dogs along? You <laughs> yeah. know, hey, what, what, what's your what's your fee on that? Oh <laughs> man. Well, the dog heard me. See, <laughs> yeah, 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 my dog didn't like that idea. No, <laughs> it's like only no, one, it's, only a couple it, dogs around here. Yep. It's the funniest thing with dogs because every every dog going, oh they're great boat dogs and yeah every dog's a, a great boat dog until it's got a treble hook in its eye <laughs> <laughs> none of them are good boat dogs I'm gonna I'm gonna I, I'm the first one to admit that my dog is not a good boat dog <laughs> the first time I ever brought her out now she was kind of a pup at the time and it was her first time out in the boat with me but we met some guys pulling some planer boards and she thought those planer boards looked pretty good and all of a sudden. Psh- off the side of the boat she goes and she's swimming after those planer boards and i'm like oh god (laughs) and she wants to help me fight every fish that comes close to the net so yeah she gets to stay at home now a lot so we got a buddy that we got a buddy that guides pheasant hunts and he said that's the kiss of death when they say oh yeah yeah. we got a really good dog dog. we want to bring it along yep (laughs) yeah i do have uh i do have a four-year-old short hair named sadie um and she will actually open the live well 
and <laughs> really bob for walleye and grab them and throw them on the floor <laughs> and she gets so mad because the live well's deep you know and yep. uh, like right now i'm running a skeeter she'll get all four legs in there if she has to <laughs> and it's the funniest damn thing no matter how many times you throw those fish back in the box she throws them out on the floor <laughs> well it's helping you out yeah no no so do you ever get to get out and do any fishing on your own, or is it pretty much guide trips every day? Um, I pretty much run every single day from April 1st to the middle of October. I take my birthday off, which is August 3rd, okay. and fish by myself. And then, you know, I might have one or two other days. Um, I try to schedule one day a month for boat maintenance, you know, the, <laughs> I got to get the oil changed and, you know, some impeller once in a while and some filters and, and whatnot. But, you know, those days, if I can get my work done, I, I still will go fish by myself. Yep. Um, and I do, I do get out after work sometimes. My wife kind of enjoys to get out if it's nice out. And, yep. Um, you know, I got a couple of, a couple of grandkids now and, and, uh, you know, they, I like to take them when I can, but, uh, you know, when when fishing is your livelihood, um, you know it's it's a short window, so you have to you have to make hay when the sun shines. And That's right. Yeah, it's um, you know it's 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 funny that after five years, every year I go into the next year thinking, well, I'm going to leave a couple days off here and a couple days off there, and then and then you know somebody calls and it's just somebody you really had a good time with and and somebody you enjoy being in the boat with and it's so hard to turn them down you yeah just, oh, yeah you know so so those days i leave you know kind of penciled off they always end up filling in with with people that i've had great trips with in the past oh, i believe that now are you running like multiple trips a day or is it usually just one trip a day no there there has been some circumstances um, you know, let's say if, if we get a weather day or something, you know, if we have lightning all day or, or 50 mile an hour winds or somewhere, it's just not safe. Um, I will try to squeeze a double the next day. So just be, and not for me, just because I don't like leaving a customer standing on the dock. So, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I'll, you know, if I have to call a day, I'll say, look guys, I, I can, I'll try to start tomorrow's trip a little early, finish a little early, and I get you out for five or six hours in the afternoon if we can. But doubles, uh, honestly, doubles are really, really, really hard. Yeah, uh, I believe they're that. hard on your body. They're hard on your boat. They're, they're hard on your spots. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, they you are. Um, so doubles are, are really, really tough. It happens probably five or six times a year, but uh, it's basically one eight-hour trip a day. Yeah, nice. You know, eight by hours. the time... By, Yep, yep. By the time you by the time you prep the boat, uh, you know, fuel up, run over to the resort or the landing, meet your customers, fish your eight hours, clean fish, you know, shake hands, get paid, come home, clean the boat, you know, fix whatever got broke that day, fix <laughs> yeah. rods for tomorrow. You know, it's it's twelve to fourteen hours a day. So, oh, there's no yep. doubt. You yeah. know, and then and then you get home and you gotta you know you gotta do the marketing and, and it's a business you gotta do the books you gotta keep track you know I mean it's it's not just you know fishing with Uncle Dave or your you know your best friend Tom I mean it's a business yeah, you no, know yeah. and and uh, you guys know I mean it it's hard to run a business 
Uh, and especially when you already have eight hours, eight to 10 to 12 hours a day away from the office. Now you got to come home and do all the other stuff. Yep. Yeah. I've, I've always said, you know, I think, uh, you know, fishing guides or, you know, these guides who are these guys hunting on TV and whatnot, uh, man, it, it looks, it looks great from the outside. You know, you see all the, the, you know, the trophy pictures on Facebook and whatever, but when that's truly your livelihood and, and, uh, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if the wind's blowing 30 or if it's, you know, raining, you're out there, uh, that, uh, it, it probably don't take very long, and that, that can take a toll on a person. Yeah, it's um, it's really funny. So, so customers watch the weather like a hawk, and I never even look at it. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> right. they're, always at, they're, they're always asking, oh, what do you think with the weather? And I say, oh, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> What's it look like? <laughs> right, yeah. You tell me. Yeah, you, yeah. I'm a fishing <laughs> guy, not so, a meteorologist. <laughs> so I, I look at the um, you know, I'm, I get up in the morning, I throw on a pot of coffee, and I look at the wind and the direction. Yep. yep. Uh, and, and if it looks like moisture, I'll, I'll glance at the radar. Um, but we're going. I mean, yep. and, unless it's catastrophic, we're going. Um, and, and it's because, you know, somebody else already has tomorrow booked and the day after. So you get, you basically get the days you booked, and, and, and we're going to go. You know, if, if we you decide you you don't, you know, there's days where it's clearly not fun. Like you said, winds howling 35 miles an hour. You know, I've had days where, where I've had to stand on the bow of my boat to keep it spot locked in five footers so we could, you know, so we could throw glide baits. <laughs> and so the, so the trolling motor would stay in the water. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So otherwise you, you can't stay spot locked and, and. I've had guys, you know, guys from Lake Erie that didn't think that was no big deal. Like, yeah, yeah great. <laughs> just another, another day on the water, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is actually, it's a pretty calm day. Yeah. I'm thinking, holy moly. So, so but, what are... Uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, what what are the species that you're fishing up there? You know, I know you mentioned sturgeon. I know you mentioned walleye, crappie. Is that the big three for you? Uh, yeah, yes, I would say yes. I probably... Probably eighty percent of my trips are walleye trips. Yeah. Um, um, there's a, a three or four week window in the spring where I do sturgeon. Uh, that's on the Rainy River, and then uh, you know in the spring I will do some some uh, trophy pike trips. If if you know there's always some people that are interested, and spring really is the best time. Um, our pike season here never closes. So unlike the rest of the state, we don't have to wait for a, a pike season opener. It's always open. Okay. Um, so so very, very early in the spring, as soon as the ice goes out, is actually probably statistically your best time to catch a, a trophy pike. Um, so I do have some pike trips every year. And then I, I do a few musky trips. Um, and then in the fall, uh, September, October, I do quite a few cropping trips. Okay. And now say say uh, you, Matt, and I are all going to go out uh, on the on the water tomorrow, uh, going after walleyes. Are you taking us to spots that you just know traditionally hold fish because you've been fishing it for you know days and days and days, and you just know, hey, these are the areas, and this is what we're going to do? Or are you kind of searching out, uh, you know, using using sonar? What exactly are you doing to find your fish? All right, so if we were going to go out tomorrow, the three of us, 
Um, the first thing I would do if I had some success today would be to start in the same vicinity of where <laughs> of where I left off. You know, that's yeah. the big advantage yep. 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 to fishing every day is is I I typically when we leave the dock in the morning, I have a pretty good idea where we're going, you know, or yep. where the fish are because, you know, I just fished for them yesterday. So um so so we have kind of an interesting system up here where in the fall here, so so where I am walleye fishing, the fish are gorging on smelt, and these smelt run deep. Okay, so they're anywhere from forty to a hundred feet of water. Okay, where I'm targeting these fish is rock reefs, anywhere from twenty-two to. 29 feet of water okay but where i'm targeting them they're not feeding really so so let me see if i can make this make sense to you when they're feeding when when you have like say oh it's a perfect walleye chop that's overcast and you know three footers or two footers and it's all perfect walleye feeding conditions well the scenario that i'm fishing on this lake guess what those fish dip off of the structure out into the abyss and go feed and to find them in the abyss is it would be like finding a needle in a stack of needles it's just even if you found them there's no way to catch them because um, they're roaming they're they're literally roaming the abyss after these smelt okay now when their bellies are all full they come lay up on these reefs so a lot of times where i'm targeting walleyes they're not actively feeding and this is why things like glide baits and snap jigging and trolling can produce good bites because those are almost all reaction it just triggers it's like it's like right after thanksgiving dinner and you're sitting in your easy chair and somebody puts a little mini snickers on the armrest yeah no, it don't matter it don't yeah. matter how full it don't matter how full you are you're still gonna eat that snickers. yep you somebody, somebody right. comes walking by with a couple bowls of ice cream i'm snatching yeah. one of them <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just a reaction bite. Yep. Yep. So, never had a so, choice <laughs> Yep. So a lot of times what I'll do is, is I'll rip up to, to some of the, you know, there's where I'm going, there's several hundred scannable reefs, you know, adjacent to these deep water bays. So um, I'll, I'll just start scanning, you know, where these where these rock reefs kind of dip off into deeper mud. And a lot of times that's 24, 25 feet, 27, 28 feet of water. And um you know, if the fish are there, it's super obvious that they're there. They're there in big, big numbers. So, um, you know, you find a good pot of fish, and, and I start start throwing bait. I'm using, um, I've got a, a big, big live scope on the back of my boat here for customers to use, and and uh, so I'll just I'll just steer the wand, and and we put jig heads on foreheads, yep. and uh, you know, you know pretty quick if those fish are gonna eat or not, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, and so that can be, that can be, I spend a lot of time just, just, you know, banging from reef to reef to reef, finding fish, putting baits on them. And I mean, we're putting them right on them, you know. Now, now if you get to the first reef and, and you can see that there's fish there and they're just not eating what you're throwing at them, is there a chance that you can go to the next reef and all of a sudden those fish will? Or is it just one of those days where it's like, ah, eh, we're going to have to do something different? 
Well, no, no, no. You can. We can usually find some that'll eat. Now you might not always have hundred fish days. No, but I mean, like, yeah. are, are are you gonna switch? You know, if if they're not biting uh, your glide bait on the first reef, could you go to the second reef and have them bite the glide bait, or or is it pretty? Is it kind of the same reef to reef to reef that you know? Well, the glide bait ain't working today. We got a troll for them or, or something like that. Um, I would give it. Uh, well, I would give it probably four or five reefs. You know, I'd, I'd probably give it four or five spots, and then. Then you then it's pretty obvious. Well, all right, this clearly clearly this approach isn't gonna work. So, yep. Um, yeah, or or you know this this lake is so enormous that a lot of times I'll say let's run let's run eight miles to in a whole other area where maybe they're feeding on ciscos, and we can we can try a completely different approach um it's almost like it's it, it, it's actually how i learned how to fish this lake is i break it down into smaller more manageable sections yep you know and so sometimes i'll i'll um i'll say look I, guys i don't think these fish are going to go today um what i'd like to do is make a run to it's almost a different ecosystem and let's see if if any of those spots those fish want to go you know, so I'll, I'll, there's days, there's days I cover 80, 90 miles on the water up here. Wow. <laughs> now, now, now you talked about uh, getting started there, you know, obviously, like you said, it's his di- different ecosystem seems like a different lake. How, how long was that learning curve? You know, I mean, obviously you said that you, you got hired under somebody else. So I'm sure they kind of said, well, do this and this and this, you know, otherwise give us a call. But, uh, you know, I mean, that that had to be pretty intimidating, correct? Yeah, so, um, I had, yes, yes, it is super intimidating, yes. Uh, luckily, I had been fishing big water for, for some time. I had spent quite a bit of time on uh, Cavatogam, on Namakin, and, and the U.S. side of Rainy. So, like, the navigating it and, and kind of figuring out patterns was not all foreign to me. I'll tell you what was foreign to me and this this i've said it before and i i mean i've said it on some different shows and stuff but i was not a walleye fisherman when really? i started guiding nope i i was i had spent the bulk of my fishing career uh catching wall or catching muskies so for me i a lot of time i was learning on the job yep and you know it's it's um it's shocking how much you can learn when you do it 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Oh, I'm oh sure. yeah. You know, it, yeah. It's, um, but, but, but now that being said, I had some, I had a, a couple of just unbelievable mentors, guys that, that, uh, I, I could call and say, Hey, dude, I, I'm just getting my ass kicked here. And, and, you know, they would say, well, let's jump in the boat tomorrow after work and we'll run through it. And, and you know, what's funny with, with walleye fishing is, like I'll tell you on, on Rainy Lake in particular, and, and I'm sure a lot of other bodies of water, uh, we go through seven to eight very distinct and different patterns, you know, from spring on through summer and then into fall. So it that first year, it, it seemed like, you know, whenever, whenever you had a pattern figured out, you know, and you were real confident, you know, all of a sudden you go from, you know, hundred fish a day to 50 and then to 30 
you know, and then to 15. And, and when you don't know what's next, you know, you just keep holding on to what has worked. Yeah. And, and, um, when, when the other guys are, you know, you're, you, you meet some of the guys at the resort and, and you're, they're like wailing on fish and you're like, good God, I'm, I'm getting my ass kicked here. What? And, and they're all, Oh yeah, no, we're over here doing this now. And you're like, son of a bitch. I just figured this out. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and then, so it's like, uh, you know, go buy a bunch more stuff. And, and, uh, but I had a couple of guys, a couple of uh, real well seasoned guys, um, lifetime walleye guys who, who really just took me under their wing and said, uh, let's jump in the boat. And, and, you know, a lot of times I was close. I was maybe missing one or two pretty critical parts of the equation. And, uh, and there you go, you know, then it was on to the next thing. And, and by the time I had that figured out, they were changing again. So, yep. uh, you know, the first couple of years was, was, uh, you know, I had to learn how to fish. I had to learn how to walleye fish and, and so now, six years in, I, I like to, you know, I kind of joke. I say, well, the first, first three years, I was still learning how to fish. And the last three years, I'm kind of learning how to run a business. So I'm still, <laughs> right. still, I'm still pretty green, you know. Yep. Uh, but uh, I think we're doing all right. Oh, I'd say so. Now, yeah. you you know, you're always showing the, the big fish pictures online. Is is that something that people are coming up there for specifically for is to target the larger fish? Or do you still have a lot of guys that are like, you know, it'd be nice to catch some bigger fish, but we like to go out there and catch some eaters as well. Okay, so I actually, I would say last, at the beginning of last year, I kind of, I made a real conscious effort to develop big fish programs. Um, previous to that, I was just, and most guides are just happy if, if their customers are catching walleyes. Right. Uh, and most customers are happy just catching walleyes, uh, you know, and you occasionally stick a good one, but, but at the start of last year, I really did make a conscious effort to figure out the, um, more, a more of a consistent big fish pattern. And I think I, I think I've accomplished it honestly i'm a little shocked myself some days sitting back like holy moly dude we catch a lot of big fish you do <laughs> now, is, yeah, is that is really, that a bait really, thing or is that a location deal a style um i think so so at the start of last year i really wanted to break down why big fish big fish you know because I, so I started using live scope three four years ago and what I noticed right away is big fish always leave the reef as soon as you scan it. Okay, so so I've always been real big on, on scanning in 2D and down imaging. And so you pull up on a reef and you kind of circle and circle and circle. Oh, okay, there they are. And and you set down on them and straight up and down. And that's, that's a real traditional approach to catching walleyes. And what I changed the most last year was what I really focused on was um, I was hypersensitive to boat control and boat positioning. Like, I didn't just, oh, there's fish and hit spot lock. Like, dude, that, that puts you 60 to 90 feet away from the fish. I don't know if most people realize that. Okay, I take the cursor on my hummingbird I drag it over to exactly where I mark the fish, drop a waypoint, circle around, put my nose in the wind, 
and ease into it. And I spot lock exactly when the fish gets back on my 2D sonar. Does that make sense? Yep. Oh, oh yeah. So, so, so it, I, last year I decided I was going to be incredibly precise with my bolt positioning. And that made an unbelievable difference. Now, this year, I don't even scan. Just... I, stop, I stop short of the reef, and I use my live scope, and I scan the reef. Yep. And I think, I don't think big walleyes will put up with hardly any boat pressure anymore. I think if you scan that reef and make two, three circles, those big fish slide. And you're still going to catch fish. Right, right. But, yeah. I, but I think I, in July and August, in my boat, I had 178 over 28 inches. Holy <laughs> <buckets>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and And I truly believe it's because I'm, I don't ever drive over them anymore. Yeah, yeah, it is. That is true. I, a buddy of mine that fishes walleyes all the time, he said that to me a while back. He said, "You'd be surprised at how many big fish swim off before you ever even get to them." They just slide. Yep, yep. they just slide off. They either go off the edge and hang parallel off structure, same depth, but just out over the abyss, you yep. know, or yep. they slide, or they just right down to the depths. Yep. Um, and that, to me, that has been the biggest change this year is not going over the top of them. Staying, staying out 40, 50, 60, 70 feet, using, using my live scope. And, and so it's kind of funny because I'm, I'm typically just quarterbacking. Like, I, you know, I keep, I have a 16 inch in the back of my boat for customers. One is a guide. I, I know there's this huge debate. Oh, you got to have it on the trolling motor. It's the only way. Uh, it is the only way for tournament guys. I, I agree with that. But when when you're more about putting customers on fish, you ha- you almost have to have it in the back. Yep. And and so it's it's actually pretty easy. I spot lock. Now I don't have to worry about that, right? Yep. And and I can just run the pole and I say, okay, Brenda, you know, <laughs> forty. Four feet that way. No, Brenda, that was ninety feet. Just reel in <laughs> yeah. a little bit shorter, you know. And, yeah. and and you literally can just quarterback people right through the bite, you know, and, and they have your absolute undivided attention as a fishing guide. And I don't even have a fishing rod in my hand. I, I, I bet sixty percent of the time I don't even have a fishing rod in my hand. I'm I'm just quarterbacking the, the program. Just working huh? that pole. Just sharpshooting them. <laughs> working that pole. Yes, yeah, I call it sniping. Yeah, yep. I call it it's sniper school. That's it what is. I call it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Now, now yep. the first so, time, the first time that you show somebody one of those live scopes, somebody that's never, never done it before. I mean, do their eyes just light up when all of a sudden they set that hook and it's like, holy shit, that worked. Yes. <laughs> that's yes. got to be crazy. Yeah, a thousand percent. Yes, the people. Uh, you know, it's old hat the guys that have kind of been in the industry, and and you know, I'm sure you guys have been around it, and. But you have to understand the the common angler, dude. Come on, not even a chance. They they they're lucky if they've even seen it on YouTube, right? You right. Know? And now to and now to come out here and, and uh, you know when we fish when we fish the U.S. side, 
you know, I can, I, we can slip bobber them, uh, you know, bobber scope them. Yep. And, you know, so, so maybe that's something that maybe your listeners don't understand. I, I can bring zero live bait into Canada. That's right. Yep. yep. Uh, a zero, let me rephrase that zero biologic. Right. So no shiners, no crawlers, no leeches. It is what I do is a hundred percent artificial baits. All so, the time. <laughs> Is that all the time that you're doing that? 100% of the time. 100%. Wow. Yeah, which makes it even create, which makes those numbers even crazier, by right. the way. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah, for there's sure. no doubt about that. <laughs> oh. huh. So there, there are times I'll, I'll stay in the U.S. Um, if customers want, you know, if it's a, if it's a meat run, you know, and oh, geez, we gotta, you know, we gotta bring back. You know, all of our fish. Well, so when we cross into Canada in a loop movement, we're only allowed to bring back one walleye per person. Oh, wow. Really? I never realized that. So, so yep. Yeah, and so that, that's part of what led to the decision to say, you know, screw it. I'm I'm hunting bigs. Yeah. You know, because, you know, who wants to go catch 15s all day if you can only bring back one each? You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly right. right. Now, so do you have to? Well, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. So, so in in my mind, I guess we, you know, in that in that scenario, we might just well be spend our time hunting bigs, no doubt, than than just trying to set up on pods of fish just to catch fish. Yep. Now, now, what do you have to get uh, for for licensing to to guide over there in Canada, or isn't it anything? No. Oh no. First off, first off, because it's border water, I'm required to have a, a United States Coast Guard captain's license. Okay. Um, so I have to have a six pack license to even to even start the process. Um, then, because it's a national park, I'm required to get a concessionaire's license to conduct business inside a national park. That's for the U.S. side. Uh, on the Canadian side, I am required to go through Canadian immigration and actually get a work visa. So I have to get a seasonal or annual work permit um, to be able to legally guide on the Canadian side. Wow. So now, so now your your customers, I mean, do they have to have a passport? Do they have to buy a Canadian license? How does that work? Um, okay, so no passports are necessary, um, but yes, we are required. Every every angler is required to have an Ontario fishing license. Okay. Uh, no pass. No passports are required because there is a there is a provision for what is called a loop movement, and that's what we do. We loop from the United States into Canada for recreational purposes. And we loop back into the United States without ever touching land. In that scenario, there are zero reporting requirements. Okay. And with, with, with zero reporting requirements means you don't need a passport. Now, now, if somebody decided they didn't want to cross into Canada, I mean, is that, I mean, can you go out and make a trip and, and never touch Canada if, if they so choose? Fish U.S. side, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yep. it can be done. Yeah, we, we did it for two years during COVID. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, true. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely there, there's definitely good fishing on the U.S. side, um, but there is significantly more pressure. Oh, okay. okay. So, so to me, it's, it's um, 
you know, my job is to put the odds odds in our favor to accomplish the goal you want to accomplish on your guide trip. So, yep. um, you know, for me, it's it's basic math. If we go fish a reef in the United States, uh, you know, that reef's been hit by 20 boats a day for the last month. Yep. We can go fish a reef on the Canadian side that nobody's fished on in a month. You know, what do you think's going to produce better? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. You know, my first job as your guide is to guide you into an Ontario fishing lesson. Yep. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Now, now, Donnie, you know, we talked a lot about open water. Uh, how about ice? You do any ice guiding? I have. I have ice guided. Uh, I've ice guided up here, I think, four years. Okay. Um, with, my, with my previous, uh, you know, my previous guy that I worked with, um, Last year I took off, uh, I went on my own and mostly last year I, I did, you know, I did have a pretty crazy run on giant pike last year. I don't know if you guys were following that. Oh, I definitely I, was. Yeah, I, <laughs> we, we, we followed the Facebook pretty close. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So last year I was, um, last year I just did a lot of exploring, kind of looking for new areas and looking for new bites. And, uh, I, I, I had had this, this pike, um, bite that I had developed with my, my real good buddy, Captain Trent. And, uh, I said, uh, I said, Trent, you know, I, I, I could use a little income over the winter here. I, um, I, we might have to cash this bite in and, and, uh, we kind of talked about it and, and he said, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's go for it. So I kind of made it real public that I was going to go for 40 over 40. And, uh, we ended up, I ended up only fishing that pike bite, um, in January and February. And we ended up with 43 over 40. Wow. <laughs> so wow. it was pretty crazy. Um, and I think arguably March is the best time and I didn't even pike fish in March. Yeah, crazy. So, yeah. So, so last year I did quite a bit of exploring on, um, a lot of the most remote corners of rainy lake like spots you'd have to be nuts to go ice fishing there um and that's how i spent my winter last year and that's going to segue uh nicely into this winter so because you got uh, some new stuff coming down the pipe right yeah 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 it's i'm i'm so excited about it i don't even i don't even know how to talk about it i bought uh, <laughs> uh a, a real good buddy of mine uh that that did all this exploring last year um what we found was on some of the more remote areas of this lake i don't think that these fish have ever been targeted through the ice wow um what we found was an insane bite, um, like shockingly good. And, and I mean, December, January, February, when most of the state slows, you know, down to where ice fishing is really not fun anymore. <laughs> um, and into March, almost all the way up to April 1st, uh, it was just, it was like nothing we'd ever seen before. And, so we started looking at how in the world could we get customers here? You know, snowmobiling was too brutal. Snowmobiling was brutal um, and dangerous. You know, we have so many pinch points and, and narrow funnels on this lake where water speeds up. And, um, so that was kind of out of the question. And we, we just landed on these Sherp vehicles and we ended up buying two of those. So 
Uh, we started a new company called Rainy Lake Remote, and uh, we're going to be running some some ultra remote ice fishing trips this winter. So, pretty uh, we're pretty excited about it. Yeah, oh, definitely. Those are some cool vehicles. Yeah, we we saw we got to see one last February for the first time uh, out in the Black Hills at the Hooked on Hardwater event. Uh, uh, the Rapid City Police Department, I think, has one for a search and rescue vehicle, and uh, they're they're pretty impressive. Sure, sure. So I wonder if they had a Sherp or a Sherp XT. So we got the big ones. Yeah, I would say that this was not the big, big ones. ones I, right. I mean, two people up front, and then if you needed to have a person and, like, somebody on a stretcher in the back, that that's where they'd be about. Gotcha. So that was that was probably a, a standard. So we got the XTs. They're 40% bigger. Wow. Oh, yeah. So, we, so we'll be able to carry um, two, you know, a driver and a passenger in the front plus six in the back. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were a lot so, bigger then. Yeah, so each each machine will, will be able to uh, effectively transport eight people. Yeah, that would do it. Yeah, and and a whole bunch of snacks. Got to have room for <laughs> snacks. Got to have those well, you snacks. Got, you got to have snacks. Listen, you've seen the size of me. You know I'm not going to turn down a snack. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, no, that sounds uh, that sounds incredible. Uh, so, so have you ever driven one, or, or you you bought them and it's like, all right, <laughs> here comes winter. Let's do this. No, so we picked up machine number one. Uh, I'm going to say it was uh, the last weekend of March or maybe the first weekend of April last year. And, you know, up here up here in the Northland, we still had ice. So yeah. um, we jumped in that first machine, and, and uh, we intentionally just drove straight to, uh, you know, there's some, some narrows that go between some islands and some peninsulas where the water really speeds up and we knew the ice would be pretty shitty in there, you know, and said, well, <laughs> if we're going to listen, if we're going to take people out in these things, we got to know how to drive them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Them. And, and um, so we went and intentionally just crashed through about 40 times and took turns driving in and out and in and out. And, and uh, you know, now we kind of, you know, I've got mine just sitting in the driveway. We take it, my wife and I take it to dinner sometimes. <laughs> I was, just gonna, the I was gonna say I was just down. gonna ask that. Yeah, oh, okay, yes, okay. yeah. We just we take her out in the lake and and uh, just putts around, cruise over the resort, and have dinner. You you can't believe the looks you get. Oh, I'll every bet every single every dock you go by, there's somebody recording on their phone. Every boat that goes by has to turn around and come back. And what in the world? <laughs> you yeah. know, so it's it's pretty fun. That's oh, awesome. That's cool. no, I look forward to seeing the pictures and the stories from that this winter. Well, you know, if it involves Captain Donald, there will be stories. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of you know, I I know that uh, we're going a little bit longer than what I told you it would be, but uh, uh, I know that you've got some stories and and from from your years of guiding and whatnot. Uh, do, do you got a couple that are just better than all the rest of them that that you wanna you wanna quick tell? Boy, yeah. There's there's. Uh... <laughs> I, I will say any anybody that has guided any significant amount of time is going to have stories. Yep. <laughs> it's just it's just part of the it's just part of the deal, you know, from from people, you know, I've had people fall out of the boat, uh people reel 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 backwards so hard the the handle comes off the spinning wheel and they <laughs> holler at you cuz your shit's breaking, you know. <laughs> Uh, uh, I had a guy get a jig wrap in his nose a couple of oh, days ago. Oh, boy. Uh, 
Um, you know, it's just, it's too small an area, you know? And I mean, I run a big boat and yeah. sh- shenanigans are always afoot, but I would, I guess if, if one story stands out, uh, okay, let's, let's rewind back to when I was describing the loop movement. Yep. Okay. We cannot touch land when we're on the Ontario side of Rainy Lake. And so over the years, I've developed this this little speech in the morning for the ladies. And, you know, so it goes something like this. Ladies, we're all adults. We all use the bathroom. Everybody has to pee. Um, don't, don't spend the entire day on the boat not drinking your water because you're afraid you're going to have to pee. I don't want you to get dehydrated. I don't need anybody getting heat stroke out here. We're going to be a long ways from the dock. So just drink your water. If you need to use the bathroom, a lot of my lady customers just go in the live well. All right. It's a huge live well, big bench seat. You know, you flip the bench up, turn the radio on, take care of your business. And most ladies look at you and they go, yeah, okay, sounds good. No problem. And I had a particular trip three, four years ago because I had my nitro still. Um, As a husband and a wife and a son, son's probably eight or nine years old. And so I gave her the speech, you know, and I've given this speech hundreds of times. And uh, and so uh, it gets to be about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and, and this, this lady says, you know, Captain Donnie, I kind of got to use the bathroom. And I said, all right, no problem. I flipped open the live well lid, cranked up the music, and told Junior and Pa and me, we went up in front of the windshield. And, and I said, you just let us know when you're done. And so a couple minutes go by, and... and uh, she says, hey, I'm all done. And I turn around, the live well lid is shut. And I don't, you know, I didn't think anything of it. She said, well, are you are you going to be able to pump that out? And I said, yep. So the nitros, I don't know if you if you guys know this, the nitro live well has a, actually has a pump out button. Yep. Uh, whereas most big, big glass boats just have a valve you can open or close while you're running. And, but the nitros, you can actually pump it out. So. So I hit the pump out button for 30 or 40 seconds or, you know, I'm thinking, lady, it's 60 gallons. You're a little four gallons, four ounces of <laughs> right. tea are going to do. You know what I mean? Like, yep, dude, yep. so diluted yep. for crying out loud. So, so I run the pump there for about 10, I don't know, 15, 30 seconds, and, and you can see it pumping out, you know. And, and I stop that and hit the button to fill it back up. And uh, she kind of peeks under the lid, and, and she goes, hey, it's still in there. <laughs> And like, like it hasn't occurred to me what's happened yet, you know. Right. So I, I think to myself, you know, because our water's really stained. So I think to, I think to myself, how can she tell? So I, look, I look right at her. I said, "Well, how can you tell? It's still in there." And she says, "Well, it's floating." <laughs> <laughs> I, like all of a sudden, it dawned on me that she, you know, dropped the deuce in my life. Well, I, and I looked at her. I did you shit in my boat? <laughs>
they never came back. That was the one percenter. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Oh man, that's a good one. That's that's one that just yeah, that's one we always will remember. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. I get uh, you know, it's funny. It's funny people go home and they come back with some with new people, you know, quite often and. And I, I bet I have to tell that. Tell the story. Tell the story. <laughs> that one's just a home run, man. It you is. That is well. a good one. That is a good one, no doubt. So, All right, Donnie, you're going to be down at the uh, uh, Ice Institute this year? I No, I drew a Kansas tag. Oh, oh okay. all right. Yeah, you can't beat that. No, you got to go down there and get after those big ones. You bet. So, yeah, yeah. So I will be, um, I will be in Kansas bow hunting. I will be at the Blaine Hardwater Expo with both of our Sherps. Oh, okay. Cool. Yep. Cool. Yep. So, so we'll have both. Uh, we'll have both big rigs inside. Yep. So uh, if you go, if anybody wants to come find me there and, and check these machines out, they're pretty jaw dropping. Yeah, yeah. So you go to St. Paul too, or by then are you guys uh, fixing to get close to ice? No, by the time St. Paul happens, um, I we are going to have the machines on Red Lake. Uh, just, just fun fishing, dicking off. You know, maybe we've considered we've considered. Um, doing like a red lake uber where 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 say you know lance and john and bill want to come up but they don't want to bring a wheeler or a side-by-side or whatever and we'll just hey man you know what are 20 bucks throw your shit in a wagon we'll we'll bring you out where you want to go and you know give us a holler when you're done we'll bring you back nice that's a good idea that's yeah that's a really cool idea yeah, yeah, we've we've kicked it around. Uh, my partner Joe and I have kicked it around, just kind of spending from from Thanksgiving till till maybe the second week of December down there, just just haul, basically hauling people around. I mean, it's direct contact with uh, with our market. Yeah, you know, it is. and and um, and the machines will get plenty of attention, and you know, be a good chance to hand out you know information or business cards or whatever. Probably probably way more effective and efficient than hauling our stuff to st paul and and uh having a bunch of looky loos jump around the machines yep, yep. Yeah, yeah no doubt about it great idea yep. so all right donnie so that's that's the plan anyway we'll we'll see yeah you bet well uh we appreciate your time uh we appreciate you coming on that was uh awfully freaking entertaining uh <laughs> as we figured it would be but uh yeah otherwise uh if we don't talk to you before then good luck down in kansas Thank you, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, anytime, boy. If you ever need someone to fill in last minute, uh, I've got a pretty boring life. All I do is fish. So <laughs> we might do that more than what you <laughs> what you like. So <laughs> appreciate <laughs> it, man. Good. See ya. Yeah, sounds good, gentlemen. Take care. You too. And that was Donnie O'Bert from up there in northern Minnesota. He's got to be like a direct descendant from Paul Bunyan, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, uh, they, he sent off his DNA to Ancestry.com came back Bunyan. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up Bunyan. <laughs> yep. So, no, cool dude, and God dang it, he, he has got the entertainment factor going on. I think if you had gotten the boat with him, uh, I, I, I think you... Your belly would be hurting now, not say, after long, because God dang it, it'd be fun. Not only are you, uh, yeah, he goes from sing, slinging cinder blocks to catching them. So, yep, that's right. 
That is right. Um, well, I don't know that uh, we really got anything else going on. Uh, I'll quick touch on uh, the Biggest Loser competition. Uh, this morning we had weigh-in uh, after two weeks. And uh, this week our uh, our uh, new leader is uh, Jacob White. Uh, Jacob White has lost uh, 5.4% uh, body body fat. Uh, so that's pretty impressive. Uh, right behind uh, we got uh, Michael... Michael R. We got uh, we got a lot right in the four. Uh, Kyle Ritchie's doing good. Um, we got uh, I'm not doing too bad. Uh, Hicks ain't doing too bad. Some uh, of you always even being hard on your gear, hard on your body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was that Dan Philbrick that yep. uh, hard on his appendix? <laughs> <laughs> so damn hard on his appendix, they took that bugger clean out and <laughs> said we're removing yep. it. I don't know if there's like a set rule that you can't uh, um, remove body parts as like part of the weigh in. I mean, that's got to go for a percentage of something. Right? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that anyone would take it to that extreme. <laughs> so uh, now that uh, now that we know nothing is uh, off limits, a uh, little little scary. At uh, what you, you don't know what a dirt bag will do to win uh, to win one of these. So. That's yeah. great. Yep. So, yeah, uh, Jacob White, Michael Romero, uh, pretty impressive, uh, those two uh, whooping up on it right now. So, But this is my week. This is my week. Yep. I, I had some donuts. I had some ice cream this last weekend. Old time uh, gay face. Yeah. Sometimes you got to just have those, though. Sometimes all right. I uh, I don't know. I was doing good all week. I, I eat nothing but salads uh, all week long, but uh, when it gets to be the weekend, I can bet your ass you know, I ain't watching somebody else eat ice cream in front of me. Like, <laughs> like, sorry, I don't know. I, I want to lose some weight, but I don't give a, I don't yeah, give her up still that some much. Ice cream. Yep, yep. So, all right. Uh, I think we're going to cut into good news stories of the week brought to you by our good buddies over at Freedom Brew in Larchwood, Iowa. Austin and Brianna run the best coffee shop uh, this side of the Mississippi and if they started one on the other side of the Mississippi it'd be the best over there too. Exactly right. Uh, we, we looked into it. Um, the results are in and it's the best. So uh, absolutely the freshest ingredients, the absolute best ingredients there. Uh, uh, the, these, you know, what, what we are to fishing, uh, you know, like audio biologists, they're coffee biologists. Yeah, they are. They've, uh, they've they really studied are. it. Uh, they great they, customer service, great products. Yep. I mean, all the way around speedy. Just the best. It is. Yep. It really is. Get your go juice where the Midwest Angler podcast dirt bags, get their go juice freedom brew in Largewood, Iowa. Uh, Matt, what do you got? You, you started off. I kind of, I, I did just well, have one and now I'm. Well, now mine, I'm, hopefully I don't take yours, but, uh, my good news story of the week is, uh, you've thrown your name into the ring for, uh, running for school board here am, in Rock Rabbits. I am running for Super school board. Super proud of you. That's a, that's a good news story right there. I yep. mean, you're doing your, uh, civic duty. Uh, you're going after it just, just to be a part of it, you know, just yep. to, just to try to be a voice and do what's best for the kids and stuff like that. Too many yep. times people, you and I have talked about this, too many times people get onto the school board just for a certain agenda, and when that agenda is done, they're just kind of like, now what? And yep. they don't really take it that serious. And uh, yep. I think that happens with for, a lot of public office. It, it does, and uh, yep. you're doing it for all the right reasons. So 
that's my freedom brew good no, news story of the week. And I appreciate gonna, that. You're gonna you're gonna need a little bit of freedom brew. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm afraid I might in a pack of cigarettes, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, I, you know, I, I'm not getting on because I feel like anything needs to be fixed or anything like that. Uh, you know, we, we do a lot of talking at work and, you know, this, this next generation, you know, there, there used to be like, even on our volunteer fire department, you know, it was, you know, fricking 10 year waiting list and, and, you know, that's slowly going away because the people don't, you know, want to do it like they used to. And, and, uh, you know, you look at city council, you look at school board and, and a lot of this stuff that, uh, you know, takes volunteers and whatnot. Uh, uh, the people just aren't volunteering anymore to, to do it. You know, the, the people that are doing it are, are retiring out and, and they're just not getting the people, uh, next, you know, the next one's in, but, uh, um, I don't know, you know, I, I've, uh, anyone who knows me knows that, uh, I'm kind of one of those guys that, uh, uh, I'll, I'll go after it even, uh, when, you know, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, I, uh, with, with that being said, too, uh, I don't know that anyone's really ever can uh, accuse me of being a yes man. <laughs> you know, I kind of, I'm, I'm not for everyone, and I beat to my own drum, and, and uh, either I'll be a one-term school board guy or, or you know, maybe, uh, you know, well, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, and uh, I'm looking forward to it, uh, um, you know, just looking forward to doing something a little bit different, and uh, yeah, we'll I guess, uh, I guess a year from now on episode, uh, probably by episode, uh, 250, 260, I'm going to know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll circle back around like, God dang it. That was the dumbest thing I ever did. Or, or, you know, maybe I'll tell you that I like it, but, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, no, uh, you know, I don't know that this is a good news story, but I got to tell it just because I just saw it in my phone. We freaking found a dang. Yeah armadillo armadillo a damn armadillo right here in lyon county iowa Not we are the farthest out of town we are the farthest northwest corner in iowa i mean we're we we can pee on south dakota and spit uh, spit on minnesota i mean we're close and uh the other day at work all of a sudden uh one of our guys comes up and he said my wife was just pulling into town and she swears to god she saw an armadillo right out there by bergs and that's just a mile east of town and i'm like you gotta be kidding me so i said derek i'm like saddle up we're going out there and yep. so we quick ran up to my pickup drove out there sure as shit an armadillo and the 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 uh the shell was busted otherwise eric was going to take it and make a make an armadillo helmet out of it <laughs> maybe bring it down to, to do. baker or something but uh be my new cereal bowl <laughs> yep but uh it was badass uh, i got a picture of it and it was like holy moly i i don't know apparently there are some armadillos down in southern iowa already there's some talk that uh, maybe one got hit uh like 30 miles east of here uh, a couple weeks ago i don't know if it's southern hay coming up you know we're kind of in a drought here so if, right. if there was some southern hay brought up that uh had some armadillos in it i know you know some of that stuff happens from time to time but uh i heard it was the minnesota dnr playing them yeah it was it was uh um, invasive species yeah they're gonna throw them around malax because they heard that they kill off walleyes <laughs> i don't remember what uh what disease it is that uh i don't know ram ramrod said that they carry some disease i don't know he would know yeah he would know he he talked all about shooting armadillos down in texas he's a pro you get them you get them loose with that 17 hmr there will be no survivors but uh <laughs> 
God dang it, I, that wasn't even my good news story of the week, but uh, might have to be because now I don't even remember what I was you doing. Forgot yours. Yeah. I mean, it is a pretty cool good news story. It's a, that, uh, it's a pretty cool. Yeah. When you when Eric snapped that to us, I was just like, really? That's crazy. And then you guys went out there and did your due diligence and did your investigative reporting. And Yeah, that's that's one it, thing we're good at. Was it just a goofy, like, did it? like look like nothing else you've ever seen before oh my god it, it looks like a half alligator half half possum i mean like here here's this picture like i mean look at look at like up by his head like just the right it looks like armor and yeah i mean it is it's, it's just it's like uh it's like a turtle shell almost I, I don't know like i guess yeah it's i was gonna say it looks like a shell but yeah it is a shell scott like that's the I don't know it the the feet and everything like it's got almost like scales to it. It's uh, I don't know. Some it was it was weird. I had, I had never seen one up close like that before. My but, dad uh, was fishing on the Rock River north of town here, and he had a couple otters come up and visit him, and right in front of him in the water, just swimming really? around, hanging out, investigating yeah. him. He sent me a video. I'm like, yeah, it's all cool and stuff until one of them bastards attacks you. I was gonna say I've. Uh, <laughs> I've never heard anything good about otters. Everything I've heard about otters is that they're meaner than all get out. Yep. So, um, you know, I did, uh, there was a, hold on a second. Here's a good news story. I know I'm, I know I'm beating along a little long here, but, uh, Tim Hilbert, uh, we had Tim Hilbert on here a while back and he, uh, September nine, he had a story and I'm just going to read it quick. But, uh, he said, I quit fishing shortly after dark last night. As I pulled up to the boat landing, I noticed this young boy fishing off the North dock. I quietly stayed over two docks so I wouldn't scare any fish that might be out in front of him. I asked him if he was catching anything. He said, not yet, but he was hoping to catch his first walleye. I told him good luck and walked to go get my pickup and trailer. I backed my trailer in and I heard the boy yelling, I got one. I ran my, I ran to my boat, grabbed my net and ran over to the dock and netted his walleye that was thrashing on the top of the water. He was so excited. He measured it with my golden rule and it measured 22 and a half inches. After I took his picture, we watched it swim away. He called his dad on his Apple watch and just the excitement of him telling his dad all about it just made my night. Come to find out his dad is one of the doctors that works with my wife at Northwest Iowa Bone and Joint. Small world but uh you know that's a that's a cool deal you know just a kid out on a dock you know fishing the way that a lot of us grew up yep. fishing you know just you know just a regular old kid just just throwing it out there catch 22 and a half inch walleye and and for tim to be there uh, and then the kid's very first one so yep yeah that's yeah it's really cool <laughs> yeah yeah when that's your first walleye and it's 22 and a half inches uh you know you you, you might turn into the next dewey gem then <laughs> so <laughs> But uh, pretty badass, uh, whatever the case. Uh, we appreciate you guys joining us for episode 234. Uh, if you haven't, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, do whatever the hell it is that you do on that podcast platform that you listen to the Dirtbags. Um, but either way, we do appreciate each and every one of you guys. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week on episode 235. Later. Later.